Man, I'm super happy you guys are in church today. Um, we've got about uh, 50 or 60 of our women at a women's retreat right now. So I just want to say I'm thankful for our women because they've left a gaping hole uh, in what goes on here at the church. And also I'm thankful for our men and especially those fathers who were brave enough today to get up and just try to get the kids together and try to get them to church. And some I know came and you forgot a kid or something, but God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for trying. Uh, if you're with us for the first time today, we're uh, kind of in a series now that we call Acts, Living Life with Your Hair on Fire. And the hair on fire part comes from Acts chapter 2. And this is when Jesus had said that he would send the Holy Spirit back, and he did. And the Holy Spirit came, and when the Holy Spirit came, God's people felt his presence, and they experienced his power and his fire, and they experienced these manifestations, um, the crazy noise of a loud wind, and they were all speaking languages that they didn't know. And I, maybe the weirdest one of all is that they had these little flames above their head as if their hair was on fire. And that represented something super important because that represented that God was living in them. And that is a really huge deal because when the supernatural comes to live in the natural, something weird is probably going to happen, right? Something strange is going to happen. It's going to be an adjustment. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. It's like if you put a race car engine in your minivan, right? Something's, something's going to give. It's going to shake a little, right? It might smoke a little bit, and you might feel a little weird around it, and you might have to learn kind of how to handle it, but you know that when you do, it's going to be awesome. And so this new power showed up in these people, and it showed up in these manifestations, the wind, the tongues, the fire, but it also showed up in supernatural persistence and supernatural generosity and supernatural compassion. It showed up in this uh, supernatural exhibition of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all the fruit of the Spirit. That's what, listen, that's what grows out of you when the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Those are all manifestations of God's spirit living inside of us. There are effects that he has on us. And one of the greatest manifestations, one of the most fun manifestations that we see in that early church is their boldness. Those people, if nothing else, were very bold. They took on impossible things. They did amazing things. They took the gospel from a room to the whole world. And they did it without the internet, and they did it without cell phones, and they did it without speaker systems, and they did it against incredible opposition, and they did it against incredible persecution. You know, they were, they were being arrested and beaten and having their heads cut off and being fed to lions. Uh, Caesar Nero had a favorite thing to do with Christians. He would dip them in oil and then hang them from poles and light them on fire and use them as like human lamps to light up their festivals and everything. And so in spite of how hard the job was and in spite of all of this opposition, in spite of all of this persecution, in the face of all that, they had this amazing boldness. It's like they weren't scared of anything. It was like nothing was too big for them. Nothing was too hard for them. And God used that boldness 
to bring healing. And God used that boldness to spread the gospel. And God used that boldness to change the world. And I think for us as Christians, that's what we want, right? We want God to use us to bring healing. We want God to use us to spread the gospel. We want God to use us to change our world just like they did. But I think something is missing a little bit for us. I think we're missing some of that boldness. I think that we're so afraid that we're gonna fail. We're so afraid that we're gonna be rejected. We're so afraid that we're gonna offend someone or they'll make fun of us. And Peter and them, they weren't scared of anything, but it seems like we're scared of everything. Sometimes we back down even when there is no opposition. Sometimes we back down even when there is no persecution. Just the idea that God is calling us to do something that's hard or just the idea that God is calling us to do something that might not have a raging success or just the idea that someone might not listen to us or somebody might laugh at us or somebody might roll their eyes at us or someone might unfriend us on social media is all it takes for us to give up and to back down. We're, we're a little short, I think, on boldness. And just to clarify, when I say boldness, I'm not talking about being like pushy or bossy or rude. I'm not talking about, you know, being a bully or hurting people. I'm not talking about boldly beating everyone up on social media with your political ideas. I'm not talking about boldly cutting people off in traffic or at the grocery store or in a conversation. That's not being bold, that's being obnoxious. And I'm not talking about boldly declaring that God has to do whatever I boldly declare that God has to do. This New Testament, Holy Spirit, hair on fire boldness is not about God obeying us. It's about us obeying him, even when it's hard, even when it's scary, even when it's opposed, no matter the risk, no matter the downside, no matter the cost. And sometimes, if I'm honest, and I look at how they lived, and I look at how we live, I have to say, I think we've lost a little boldness over the last couple thousand years. And I was talking to a lady the other day. We were talking about uh, praying over your food in a restaurant, right? Do you bless your food and thank God for your food in a restaurant? And I mean, it's a cool thing to do. Whether you do it or not, it's not probably not going to go to hell if you don't do that, okay? But it's a cool thing to do. And somebody was telling me the other day what they do is they ask the waiter or the waitress if they want to join them or can we pray for you while we're blessing our food? And I thought, what a cool thing to do, right? Anyway, so I'm having this conversation with this girl and she goes, you know, I used to always thank God for my food in restaurants, but one time I did that and after I did, the waitress was so rude to me that I had to stop. <laughs> so that's what it took, right? That's what it took to make you stop praying was a waitress being rude to you. What do you think those first century Christians would have said to that? They're getting their heads chopped off, man. Right, they're being fed to lions. And what was it again? Oh yeah, you thought she was gonna spit in your food. Right, that's the, oh, I gotta stop praying. Now that's, that's not being bold. And we're not being bold when we say, I'm not gonna try to do something big for the kingdom. I'm not gonna take on something hard for Jesus because what if I fail? I'm not gonna talk about Jesus outside of church because what if people think I'm weird? 
I, I would never ask somebody if I could pray for them or invite them to church or tell them about Jesus. What if I do it wrong? Or what if I do it right and they reject him? That's going to be awkward from now on. That's not being bold. And how are we going to bring healing and salvation and truth? How is God going to use us to advance the kingdom and change the world if we're always scared, if we're constantly retreating? You know, we need. We need more boldness. But where do you get it, right? Where could you get some bold? Where could you pick up some boldness? Think of that attractor supply, I think, right? If you, if you could bottle boldness and sell it by the court, you would have Christians lined up to pay whatever you want because we're all looking for more boldness. But lucky for us, God knew this was going to be a problem, right? God knew that we were going to need more boldness and crave and want more boldness. And so he gave us a really great story in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 about Peter and about his boldness. And this is free. And as we look at Peter's story, I want to remind you of something. Peter wasn't always this bold. Just a few pages back, Peter wasn't very bold at all, so it should give us great hope to see how his boldness changed. At the crucifixion, if you remember, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. People asked him about Jesus, and he said, I don't even know him because he was so unbold. And one of those people was a little girl. And then here we are a few weeks later, and we see a very different man. We see a man that was really full of boldness. And God used Peter's boldness to heal a crippled man and to save 2,000 people and to stand up for what was right and to advance the kingdom and to change the world. So what happened? He wasn't bold, and then he was bold. What happened to Peter? How did he go from being a crybaby, denying that he even knew Jesus, to just a few weeks later bringing healing and salvation and standing up for truth? How did Peter go from being so scared that he lied to a little girl to boldly changing the world for Jesus. So let's see how he did it, right? Let's see how he experienced the supernatural boldness so we can get some too. And so we can bring healing in our world in Jesus' name. And so we can share the gospel of Jesus in our community. And so we can stand up for truth in our generation. And so we can advance the kingdom and take the message of Jesus to the world. If we want the boldness that Peter had, let's look at his example. And let's see what he did and what he experienced. And let's see if we can get some for ourselves, okay? We're going to be doing a really long read today in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on or whatever you do. It's going to be a pretty long read here. This is Acts chapter 3. Acts 2 is when the Holy Spirit came and everybody's hair caught on fire, right? So it's like the church has started now and it's up and running. And here we pick up the story, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. And each day he, would push, he, would, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said... I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. 
And then, walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them, and all the people saw him walking and hearing and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often, often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what's so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. So Peter preaches this amazing sermon. He wraps it up in verse 19. He says, so repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And apparently about 2,000 people did that. But chapter 4, verse 1 while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. And these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there's resurrection of the dead. And so they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail till the next morning. But many of the people who had heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and some of the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples, and they demanded, by what power and whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? You want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but that God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred in Scripture where it says, The stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is no salvation in anyone else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been sta healed standing right there among them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny they performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So today, through P Peter's story, we're going to look at three quick steps so that we can have New Testament, Holy Spirit, hair on fire, boldness. The first step is look for opportunity. You've got to look for opportunity to be bold, right? In two days, look at all the opportunities Peter had, right? To heal, to share Jesus, to stand up for what was right, to advance the kingdom. That seems like a lot of opportunity for two days, right? It seems like, wow, he just really, like, was he just on a hot streak, right? Was he just lucky? 
Whether just, that was just like a target-rich environment? Maybe, maybe, or maybe. It was also because he was looking for opportunities. When that crippled guy was healed, it caused a stir, obviously. This guy's been there every day for 40 years, right? People see him walking around and leaping and praising God, so people came running from all over to see what was going on. And in verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12, when those people came, it says, Peter saw the opportunity and started preaching. He hadn't been invited to speak, right? He hadn't prepared or planned to speak, but he was always looking for a chance to tell people about Jesus. And when that chance came up, Peter jumped on it. And that day, the number of believers went from 3,000 to 5,000. Now that opportunity came in a good situation, right? This man got healed, people came to see, and Peter's, oh, what an opportunity, and so he shared Jesus. But the cool thing about Peter is he also looked for opportunities to share Jesus and to share his boldness in bad situations. So if you look at chapter four, here's Peter, he's on trial for his life. This council had unbelievable power. They could put him in jail. They could kill him if they wanted to. They could do anything they wanted to him. And so now here he is, they stand him up in front of all these judges and all these lawyers and everything, and they said, in whose name have you done this? And he could have like defended himself, right? He could have like started looking for some technicality in the law. He could have lawyered up. He could have said, you know, I can't answer that on the grounds that it might incriminate me. But instead, Peter says, you wanna know how I was healed? I'll tell you how he was healed, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead, and there is salvation in no other name. There is no other name under which men can be saved but the name of Jesus. So here's, here's Peter facing who knows what with his life on the line, and what's he doing? He's looking for an opportunity to boldly talk about Jesus. And I think if we want real New Testament, Holy Spirit, hair on fire, boldness. We got to look for opportunities to exercise that boldness. We got to be on the lookout for opportunities. Um, there's a group of us here that are working on an individual discipleship program, which we're going to roll out here in the fall, I think. And one of the things that we're doing is every day we pray a prayer we call the Include Me Prayer. And the Include Me Prayer is to get up every morning and say, God, instead of me telling you what I'm up to, and asking you to bless it, I'm just gonna acknowledge that you're at work in every life on the planet. You've got a plan for every person in my family, at my school, that person at the gas station, at the restaurant, at the grocery store, everyone in my office, on my team, every person on earth, you've got something going on in their life. So will you just include me in your plans? Will you just show me opportunities to bring healing? Will you show me opportunities to share Jesus? Will you show me opportunities to stand up for the kingdom? Will you show me opportunities to take on something so big that without you it's impossible? That's a cool prayer, huh? The include me prayer. But let me give you a warning. If you pray it, he might do it, right? And that might happen a couple of different ways. One is he may really answer your prayer just like you thought and give you all these new opportunities. Or number two, he may make you more aware of the opportunities that have been there all along. Because people say that to me all the time. Well, I never get a chance. I mean, you're a preacher. It's easy for you. I never get a chance to share Jesus. I never get an opportunity to be bold. But let me ask you a question. 
in your world, right, in your little sphere, in your little group of people, what percentage of those people are hurting and need healing? Probably close to 100%, right? What percentage of the people at your office or your school or in your neighborhood need Jesus? Every one of those is an opportunity to boldly share Jesus. And I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I want to be bold. I'm ready. You know, I've got my Bible just in case. I'm ready to be bold, but um, I'm just waiting to hear from God. I'm waiting to hear from God. And then I will boldly tell people about Jesus. Then I will boldly take on impossible things. And I will boldly help people and, and love people the way he told me. But I'm waiting for God to kind of speak to me. But if I could just share a scripture with you real quick. Um, Mark 16, 15 says, go into the world and share the gospel with every living creature. Galatians 6.2 says, if someone around you is hurting, we should bear each other's burdens. John 13.34 says, Jesus talking, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other sacrificially the way that I have loved you. God has already spoken. We're not waiting for him to give us our marching orders. He's waiting for us to boldly step out. The orders are in place. The, the opportunities are there. And I would challenge you with this. If you're not seeing opportunities to share Jesus, if you're not seeing opportunities to take on hard things for the kingdom, if you're not seeing opportunities to stand up for what's right in Jesus' name, it might be that you're not looking for opportunities. And if we want to experience what he did, right, if we want what Peter got, if we want to have this supernatural boldness, if we want to be used by God, to bring healing and to share the gospel and to change the world, it starts with us looking for opportunities to be bold. That's the first step. Second step, disown the results. You gotta disown the results. That's, I think that's what Peter did. He didn't, Peter didn't seem like he cared what the results were gonna be. You know, I think about it, it was pretty brave to go up to this crippled guy that's been laying here for 40 years and say, stand up and walk and take the guy by the hand, right? He didn't know what was going to happen. What if the guy would have said no? What if he would have lifted him up and the guy would have like fallen down on the ground? That's awkward right there, right? Peter didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know, he didn't know what the results were going to be. What he did know was that the results were none of his business, his business was to be obedient. His bold business was to step out and boldly do what God called him to do and trust God with the results. Same with that sermon he preached in chapter three. I mean, all these people are there. These are power people. These are people he doesn't know. And he preaches this amazing sermon. He didn't know what was gonna happen, right? He didn't know they were gonna respond. For all he knew, people were just gonna like walk off or fall asleep or something. But I think Peter knew that just wasn't his problem. It wasn't his responsibility. He's not responsible for the results. I think he just did what he was supposed to do, and he trusted God with the results. He disowned the results. Now, I'll tell you a little secret. It didn't always go his way, because lots of times Peter did some big, bold thing and spoke out for Jesus and ended up in jail or ended up getting beaten up. Every single time Peter did anything for Jesus, there was a chance that he might be killed or thrown in prison or beaten up. He didn't know the results. But he did know that the results were God's business and that his business was just being obedient, just saying yes to God and trusting him 
with the results. I think the main reason that we don't all do all we can for the kingdom is we're scared of the results. You know, what if I boldly take on this amazing thing and I fail? What if I boldly invite my neighbor to church and they say no? What if I boldly share Jesus with someone and they reject him? What if I boldly share my finances and I go broke? What if I boldly pray for healing and it doesn't happen? What if God doesn't? What if they laugh? What if I do it wrong? What if I take on this huge thing that God's calling me to take on and I fall on my face? And so we end up with this uh, analysis paralysis, right, where we're so stuck on all the stuff that might go wrong that we just like freeze and we don't do anything. And I'm telling you, that fear is the opposite of boldness. That fear is the opposite of faith. Because faith says, God, I believe that you are with me. And I believe that you are for me. And I believe that you are in me and working through me. And I believe that you work all things for good. So I'm going to boldly go where you send me. And I'm going to boldly say what you tell me to say and do what you tell me to do and live like you tell me to live. And all of the results up to you. It starts with faith. It starts with believing that God knows what he's doing. We gotta, we gotta disown, we gotta let go of the results. And I'll tell you what's funny, sometimes we act boldly and God doesn't do what we thought he was gonna do because he never intended to. Sometimes we act boldly and it turns out he was calling us to do something and the result he was after isn't the result that we thought it was. Sometimes God does a miracle and it's not the miracle that we intended but that was the miracle that he intended. I'll tell you a story about that. I had some people call me one time and they said, hey, our dad's in the hospital. He's in pretty bad shape. Um, will you come and pray for him to be healed? And I boldly said, yes, I will come down there. Because as a pastor, I'm like a super good prayer, right? And so when I pray, it's like God is pretty much going to you know, do what I say. So anyway, I go down there and I pray for this man that God will heal him. And uh, the man died. And um, nobody asked me to pray for them anymore, so it was weird. Um, but while I was there, the family had some hard questions to ask. And I was able to talk to that family about Jesus. And a couple of those people became Christians. So God did a miracle that day. It just wasn't the miracle I had planned. But do you see how that is none of my business? The results are God's business. The outcome is his responsibility. And we gotta quit trying to own that responsibility. I have a good friend, Bill Loveless. He has a great expression. He says, God doesn't call us to be responsible. He calls us to be available. He just calls us to boldly do what he calls us to do. The results are up to him. And we may, we may never even know what the real results are anyway till we get to heaven. So why are we trying to own those results now? Listen, we may not even know what the intended results were. For a thousand years, we may not even know why God asked us to do the thing that he asked us to do. Wouldn't it be funny if God called you to do some really big project and God called you to like get involved in ministry and tell someone about Jesus and give sacrificially and boldly take a big risk. Wouldn't it be funny if he called you to do all of that stuff and his intended result was just to test and strengthen 
your boldness. And you thought the intended result was to heal that person or save that soul or meet that need or finish that project. Wouldn't it be funny if the project was you? If we really want to experience that kind of boldness like Peter had, if we really want this, no kidding, Holy Spirit, hair on fire boldness, we've got to look for the opportunities. But we also have to disown the results. So, Larry, are you saying that if I look for opportunities and I disown the results, then I will experience this supernatural hair on fire experience and power and boldness? Is that what you're saying? No, it's not. It's not because the truth of it is no matter what you do and no matter how you do it, you're not going to have supernatural anything without this last step. You're not going to have supernatural boldness. You're not going to have supernatural persistence or generosity. You're not going to have supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, and all that. If you want supernatural anything, if you want to supernaturally feel his presence, if you want to supernaturally experience his power and his fire, you've got to do number three. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. And that's really Peter's secret, Right? When he stood before this council um, in chapter 4, verse 8, they're, they're calling him out. They're asking him hard questions. They're all yelling at him and pointing at him and everything. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and said the stuff that he said. And then in verse 13, it says, The council was amazed at his boldness. They were amazed at his boldness. Because they could see, it says, that Peter and John were ordinary men with no special training. But they could also see that they were men who had been with Jesus. How could they see that? How could they look at them and know that they'd been with Jesus? And I think it was because they could see his boldness. Where did that boldness come from? His experience? education really great parents good genes no that boldness was a sign that boldness was an effect that boldness was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in him and living through him his hair was on fire and one of the flames of that fire was boldness and they knew it. They, they knew it. The church recognized it. Because as soon as Peter got out, as soon as this whole ordeal happened for him, he gets out, he goes back to his church, and he goes, oh, guys, you're not going to believe it. They arrested me. They tried to put me in jail. They beat me up. All this terrible stuff happened. But then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And the people in the church said, oh, my gosh, now they're really going to be, they threatened him. They told him to never speak again about Jesus. So it's like, man, they're going to really be coming after us now. What are we going to do? Let's pray. Let's pray. The whole government is coming after us, right? All these powerful people are coming after us. Let's pray. But can you guess what they prayed for? They prayed for boldness. Even more. Verse 29. This is their prayer. Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. They didn't ask for an easier job. They didn't ask for a, a, a smaller assignment. They didn't ask for a new car. They asked for boldness. And look what happens. Uh, verse 31, after this prayer, 
the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and then they preached the word of God with boldness. So how can I become as bold as Peter? And the bad news is you probably can't because that was supernatural boldness. And that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the good news is that same power, that same spirit is available to us. And I'll ask you for a minute to you know, get off of what happened in his world and try to imagine your world. If you had the, the boldness of Peter, what would your world be like if you were able to bring healing and salvation of Jesus to boldly stand up for what's right, to boldly advance the kingdom? What would your family look like? What would your office look like? What would your school look like? What would your world look like if you could boldly do the things that Peter did? Here's a better question. What if we all did that? I mean, what if, what if we all boldly took on impossible things? What if we all boldly spoke up for Jesus? What if we all boldly brought healing into our world in Jesus' name? What if we all boldly stood up for what was right? What if we all boldly did what God is asking us to do. Peter was one guy, one guy. And in two days, God used him to bring healing, to save 2,000 people, and to change the world. What could he do through a whole church of us? Maybe he'd bring healing to our people. Maybe he'd bring salvation to our community. Maybe he'd change our world. And we can be part of that. But listen, no more fear. No more fear. We gotta, get, we gotta get bold. And we can. You can. All you have to do is what Peter did. Look for opportunities. Disown the results. Be filled with the Spirit. And last week we talked about this little triangle, right? If you want to be filled with the Spirit, what elements are necessary? Well, salvation. How many of you are Christians? Say, I am. Okay, that's great. You have to live in obedience. You have to be laying down your life as a sacrifice, reading the Bible, following what it says. How many of you are doing that? Say, I am. Okay, so then all that's left is for us to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, we want this boldness, and we want you to use us like you used Peter in that church. Man, we want to bring healing to our world. We want to bring salvation to our community and to our families and our schools and our jobs. God, we want, we want to advance the kingdom. We want you to use us to change the world. We got the same tools Peter had. So we're just asking you now to give us what Peter had that some of us are a little short on. Will you just give us his boldness? Lord, I thank you because you've shown us how to get it. That we're just gonna have to be looking for opportunities. So by your spirit living in us, will you just open our eyes to all the opportunities we have to share your healing and your freedom and your salvation and your message. Will you just open our eyes to all the opportunities around us. And God, will you help us get over this thing of fear of failure and instead help us to see that we don't, we're not responsible. Help us to disown the results, to just boldly do what you call us to do and leave the results to you. And Father, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We know that we don't accomplish one single thing that matters without the power of your spirit. So God, will you please fill us with your Holy Spirit? 
Will you please give us your vision and your leading and your guidance and your wisdom and your courage and your power and your fire and your boldness so that we can do the things that you created us to do so that we can be the people that you built us to be. Lord, we lift all of this up to you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.